0: It says as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, "Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt, colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away." This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets: "Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey." The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees, excuse me, um, and uh, spread them on the road. The crowds then went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. The crowds answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. The word of the Lord. Today we are looking at Palm Sunday. Um, this is a Sunday where we look at Jesus' entry into where he explicitly makes known that he is the Messiah of God. He wants to make a very clear point. This is almost like choreographed theater, almost. It's He's doing something very intentional. He's taking a prophecy of Zechariah that said that the Messiah will come in on a donkey, uh, lowly and humble. And he's contrasting this two processions. There were two processions that would have happened as Passover began. One was the Passover of Pilate from the West, draped in gaudy glory of imperial power to make a statement to those that might rebel Horses, chariots, gleaming honor, great fanfare, paid partitioners to cheer along, taunting the benefits of falling in line with the Roman Empire. Then there was this offering of of, of good news from the Roman Empire. It was also a threat to any resistance to the Roman Empire to make a statement. And Pilate felt the tenseness of this moment. In the past, in the Maccabean period, there was an attempt of a revolt, an insurrection, if you will. Um, And so there was this chance of that happening coming up from within the common people of Jerusalem. And so Pilate would march in with his army in memory, making sure that there was no uh, insurrection of the Hebrew people wanting to replicate kind of this uh, Egypt moment, this kind of uh, being freed and delivered from slavery moment. And then from the east came another procession, a commoner's procession, Jesus, ordinary robe riding in on a young donkey. Uh, the careful preparation suggests that Jesus had planned like this prophetic act. It was a prophetic message, a prophetic um, resistance to those, that, those two empire, that empire of, of Rome. And uh, Luke had in mind when he, in his gospel and in Matthew, Zechariah 9.9, 9, the coming of the new king a king of peace who would dismantle the weaponry of war. This is a nonviolent act, a nonviolent procession. And as Jesus entered in, the people would then begin to do what they would often do for kings, is put all their cloaks, it was very spontaneous, but yet uh, they put all their cloaks down on the ground. They would they would get ready and, and create this procession. They grabbed palm branches from wherever they could find them, place them down to let the... They saw that Jesus was sitting on a donkey. This was the first time you see any time in Scripture that Jesus was sitting. Everywhere else he was walking. But Jesus was making this declaration. I'm what Zechariah came to talk about. And so I want to talk to you today about this. this um, what does it look like to worship and praise today? Because these, these people would had this wild joy. Uh, this wild joy where they, where they began to shout songs and scream and shout out Hosanna, right? And it can be weird because, right, they were looking for just an earthly king to free them from oppression, right? They maybe, who knows what all their motives were? And some of the people, sure, that screamed, praise God, blessed be Hosanna, were probably some of the same ones that saw Jesus about to die on the cross and said, crucify him. That's probably true. But what about us today that, that follow Jesus? What does it look like for us to kind of have this sense of praise? Like, why should we praise God? Have you think about that, why... Why does God, all throughout the Bible, command us to praise him, worship him, love him? C.S. Lewis said that sometimes God sounded like some old uh, woman just desperate for attention, like, praise me, look at me, look at me, see me. And he, he would see this, he would see that God, what, is that what God is? Is he just this egotistical maniac, this narcissistic uh, universal r- ruler? Or is he a benevolent God that is good? Uh, that the universe is a universe of benevolence that he's created. And he's seeing there's something good for us in this practice of praise, right? Um, and, and and I love that he rides in on a donkey, because the kind of God that we're praising is a God of weakness. It's a God of vulnerability, a God of humility. Um, and, and that humility and that vulnerability is where is the place where we praise. I don't know about you, but... Um, <clears throat> I, I, have you ever been in a crisis? Like, Where do you go when you're we, – we go to different experts all the time, right? If your car is breaking down, go to a mechanic. If your house is built on a bad foundation, you're going to call a you know, structural engineer, right? If you're, if you're having someone sue you, you're going to call a lawyer. If you're going to – if you're needing – if you're sick, if your body's sick, you're going to call a doctor. Where do you go when your whole world is falling? Where do we go when our country is completely splintered? Where do we go when our whole world is filled with violence and threats and anger? We go to where, where Scripture tells us is to, to go to God and praise, to, to be in the middle of that weak spot and praise God, to worship him even in the midst of that difficulty. Um, my family and I, I would say in this season, we've, we've, gone, we've been going through some of the most difficult days uh, as a family, and I'm not at liberty to get into it. But I would say there's a shift that happens when you're in the middle of a crisis that um, you li- realize you have no control. You have no no control whatsoever. You start to see the illusion of control. And you, there's a difference between singing songs in the good times. You're like, oh, yeah, that's nice. But then when it's just like... It, there's a complete shift of like, you feel like whatever was before was like fake worship, and now this is like real worship. Have you ever been there? Like we're in the middle of a crisis, you're in the middle of something you can't control, and you're like, okay, I have nothing else but God right now. And I think that's what's beautiful about Jesus riding in in this humble state is it's teaching us that praise, the reason we shout, the reason we praise, the reason we sing is coming from this place of vulnerability. It's coming from a place of brokenness. It was Leonard Cohen who wrote, um, there's a crack, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. That there's this sense of, of in our weakness is strength. Like this is, looks different from the world. Western uh, intellectual academia would look at the church and see these acts across multiple traditions of praise and worship And see us as bizarre, right? And I I can even feel it in the room a little bit as I talk about it. There may be some that are like, look, I don't want to end up on the next Netflix documentary, all right? Like, I'm not going to be putting my hands in the air, and I'm not going to be, like, doing anything crazy. And I think our society kind of has this sense of enthusiasm for anything other than maybe sports and music is weird, is, is odd, right? Like, we want to stay cool and collective. Um, we have. I, I had an image of uh, kind of the, the spirit of the age is kind of the spirit of James Dean. James Dean was uh, uh, the, the poster child of the fifties for youth and reckless living, yet confused young adulthood. And I looked up all the images of James Dean. I think there was only one out of about hundred that cracked a smile. And I think that this is kind of like our age, right? It's like be calm. And collective, but be moved by nothing. But, you know, someone asks you what you do, don't get too excited. Just kind of like, you know, show them that you're, you're, you're James Dean, right? Like there's this sense of like, be cool, be calm, be collective, be a sophisticated Northsider, but be moved by nothing. And there's a sense of this that uh, gets into our spirituality, a spirituality of what I would call a spirituality of perfection. A spirituality of perfection that when we when we want to appear perfect, we want to um, attain by willpower. We want to attain by 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 strength. But God's way is not a spirituality of perfection. Like you're doing spirituality wrong if you're not pressing into a spirituality of imperfection, pressing into your weakness, into your brokenness, into your. Your places of vulnerability that are so exiled that they are just crying out for a home. And they've been so layered with so much protection that they no longer feel it's safe. And God's saying, in that place, in that place where there's a crack, a crack in everything, that's where the light gets in. That's where my praise begins. That's where you worship. And in this place of this wild chanting and joy, the the disciples... uh, Order them to stop, rebuke, stop, have them stop, right? And Jesus answers, the stones will cry out if they stop. Um, Luke's, Luke, Luke's gospel says this, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. There's several layers to this. One, he's saying, here's the truth, too good to have one's mouth shut. Also, if the disciples fall away to become complacent and apathetic, God will raise up more people. And there's an echo of a prophetic warning in Habakkuk that injustice will no longer prevail. There's a verse that talks about the stones of the house built on corruption will cry out from the wall. So there's this temple that's being turned into this capitalistic empire society. And Jesus and his people are offering us an experience, right? Like the Greco-Romans offered us philosophy. The Rome uh, got in bed, church got in bed with the empire of Rome and offered organized religion. America's church offers us church as business and entertainment, a spectacle. But Jesus is offering something so much deeper, like this true experience with God, where, where it's not dependent on some leader or some, and it's not, um, it's not, uh, has to be intense, right? It's not, has to be the worship or praise that you um, kind of caricature in your head. Um, you know, the fruit of the, one, intensity is not a fruit of the spirit. Worship doesn't have to always be intense all the time. Uh, for the spirit is, is joy and love and peace, not intensity, right? Like there's this sense of um, feeling of that, that that worship needs to be uh, the sense of intense worship. Uh, and I think that there's like a, a moment now in our culture, in our in church culture, in church life, in our community life, where there was this sense of. Um, Scarcity survival for churches coming out of the pandemic. And then there's this sense of like movement towards abundance. Um, but there's this space in between where God's saying like, I'm going to, um, you can't, there's this verse that Jesus talks about uh, that you can't put new wine into old wineskins. I believe God is doing a new thing, a new day, where we can't just take, uh, replicate things of old or even the way we do church of old and put them in these old wineskins. That there's new wine Therefore, we need to be positioned to experience the new wine. We need to be experienced to position kind of this new spring coming that's coming as we change weathers and seasons. And some of us, right, like this has been, we've walked through so many challenging moments as people over the last three years. I mean, it's not, not COVID, your personal life, so many challenging moments. Some of us have trauma, right, still, still trapped in our bodies. Some of us still feel um, emotionally shut down. Even after all this time, and that's that's normal to do, right? Pain kicks in. It's normal to to shut down um, and numb ourselves a little bit. That's okay as a short term strategy. But when that becomes the long term strategy, that that is uh, becomes a challenge for you in terms of relating to God. When your long term strategy is to shut down, um, that can be. Uh, very, very complicated for your, your spiritual well being, right? Like your, your ability to connect with God. And so um, if you did that, I did that too, right? Like I, I emotionally shut down. I definitely numb myself out. Like you don't need to condemn yourself, right? There's no, you don't need to beat yourself up, God. And you can't like create this heart of like, okay, fine, I'll find, I'll make this happen. Like all you can, you can't do that. Like God can put, has to put that new spirit in you. There has to be that, epiphany or awakening. I was just talking to somebody before service. He's like, I was like, how are you doing? He's like, oh man, I I don't know. just like something clicked. I'm like having all this joy. I don't, you know, and like God, God has to put that in you. Like you, you can't force uh, force that. Um, But when, when it's ready, God will put a time where he'll pour that out upon you. But our job is to be present, right? Like we have to be present to experience the new wine. We have to be present to experience the new rain, right? Like we have to be in uh, the room, and we have to show up more than once a month uh, to church to to experience what he's doing, or not in just even in church, in among your community, or among your peers, or even in your own household to show up? Like, how many of you are showing up in your own house, or are you escaping? Are you numbing? Are you um, emotionally shutting down? So what I want to do is just, uh, I want to look at um, a few words, if it's okay. Uh, I just kind of went on a geek, geeked out moment of looking out at Words for praise in the Old Testament. I want to look at like seven different words for praise because I think it'll give us um, a little bit of, a, of, a, of some language and imagination um, of why we should praise. Because in general, we are just not a people of praise, right? I think I can just say that honestly. We're not, we, we have that, that collective spirit in us that says, your enthusiasm about God, oh, right? Like, I've heard about people like you. <laughs> please, please stay at bay. Um, so the first word is the word barak, barak. It is the word to prepare, come expectant, anticipating to kneel or to bow. Um, it is a Hebrew word that gets the word for bless, um, but it's the sense of, of being prepared. Coming When you come to church, are you coming expectant? Are you coming like wanting God to show up in your life? Are you coming listening and attentive, right? Attention, Mary Oliver said, is the beginning of devotion. Are you coming with an attention for God in your life? Are you coming, or are you just kind of like, oh, yes, yeah, that day, yes, I should do this. I got this weird, like, guilt complex that keeps telling me I need to be here. And now if I come and I feel really bad about myself, then I'll leave feeling like God's, I'm worthy of God's love now that cycle is not one of life. That's not one of praise. That's a cycle of, 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 of guilt-based attachment to God. But here God's saying, I want, I want you to come and, and anticipate meeting me. I want you to get ready the way you get ready for work, the way you get ready for a date, the way you get ready for a show, the way you get ready for the most exciting thing in your life. I want you to get ready. I want you to get your heart. I want you to get ready to engage with me and listen to me and have this relationship, right? So there's a sense of Barak. Second word is Yada. It says the extended hand to throw out the hand to worship with extended hands is the same word to to throw a spear. And I know that um, as I say that, there's some of you that are like, I just want to look for a corner during worship. Like I'm just I come late on purpose. Like I, I just get here for the message and then I get my communion and I'm out, right? Like, um, but this is this is a sense of I remember growing up in a church, grew up in a very small church, fundamentalist church, horrible experience. Uh, and, <laughs> and I remember encountering a community that worshiped like this. And I was like, you weirdos. What are what do you doing? Like, this is weird. And then I encountered God in a space like that, and I became one of those hand-raising people. <laughs> um, and I want to encourage you that raising hands in worship is not for, like, the spiritual elite like the same posture this is the same posture when you're drowning like this is if you are in a place of crying for help this is a good posture for you like it's not a, a posture of enthusiasm it's not a posture of of a, a just sense of intensity it's it's a it can be uh we've got to get back in tune with our bodies and i think psychology is showing that through and through right now, the, the, the study of the body is exponentially through the roof academically. And it's, 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 it's interesting to me that music is just a universal principle, of a universal experience. And I think there's a reason why the Hebrew people, I mean, these people were worshipers. I mean, King David... He would set aside seven times a day to dance wildly and worship before God so much that his wife was like annoyed with him, be like, just you over there with your linen ephod, she would say. Like, I don't, we're not going to get into the linen ephod. That's a whole other sermon. But he, she, he, he would have 30,000 people worshiping before a battle so much that it would say that the, the earth would reverberate in a sense, right? Like, I don't know if you've seen those New Zealand um, uh, traditions and chants and, You just look at these traditions across cultures, and you're just like, God, you are so amazing at the human experience and the human expression and what we were made to do with our bodies and what it does for us emotionally and spiritually. Um, So we've been rescued from death, right? Like, we've been raised from the dead uh, spiritually. We've been blind, but now we see. And so God's like, I want you to use your body. Um, The third word, hallel, it's the root word for Hallelujah to shine, to praise, to boast about God, to act foolish, to act madly. I just mentioned King David, right? Um, it, 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 that, that's the example. Um, you know, I, I, I have the honor and privilege to do weddings, and there's different kinds of weddings. And um, I don't know if you've been to a, a wedding from in another culture outside your um, white Anglo-Protestant uh, culture, if that's you. But uh, I've been to some weddings where it's the much more like, man, there's a lot of acting foolish, a lot of madly breaking stuff, throwing people in chairs, chanting. Like, there's a lot of different expressions of hallel in our culture, spinning around on chairs, acting like a fool. Um, the fourth word, shabak, it says to address in a loud tone, to exclaim, to glorify, to extol, or to shout. Um, Sorry, I have, I have a sermon illustration on my phone and it keeps coming off. I'm going to share with you in a minute. But Psalm 145 says this, one generation commends your work to another. One generation will shout the praise of God from one generation to the next. Um, I think about this. I think about like, what are my kids, what are the things they see me shout about? What are the things, when they see their dad shout, what are they? They're usually like, Get down from there, right? Like, stop that, or a football game or music, right? Like, that, like when, we, when I think of, of, of Shabak, I think of the time when the Cubs won the World Series. I was um, in the basement of 1242 West Addison by Wrigley Field. And we were flipping over couches. We were going crazy. We ran outside. People were taking down Taco Bell signs. People were standing. It's no longer there. It's like, we got to take the Taco Bell down. Like, this is like, I mean, people were going crazy. I mean, people, grandparents have been living to see this day. There was a lot of Shabbat going on, right? But will my kids remember about my faith is not the eloquence in which I attempt to explain my faith. What they're going to remember is the Shabbat of my expression of faith. They're going to remember the 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 how did it feel in the body? How did it feel in the house? What was the tone when we talked about faith? And I sense you know in my heart like I want to raise a voice to to, to speak into the lives of of our kids. Like you like we we've got to ha- Show our generation of what it looks like to to worship God, to embody faith—not just to see faith, not just to hear about faith, but to know God, to experience God. Some of us have seen God, some of us have heard about God, but to know God, um, to, to to taste the wells of the Spirit, and say, "There's nothing else like you." Uh, so, so there's this sense of Shabbat. Then there's Teldah, and I think this is something special for us in this word, teldah. Um, teldah is this sense of giving worship by the extension of hand in adoration or agreement of what God will do, what what God has done or will do. It's a word often commonly found with connection with sacrifice before it has happened, okay? This is a sense of you saying, I'm in the middle of difficulty. Like, I don't know what is going to happen i feel completely powerless completely like just i don't know how i'm going to provide for myself or my family i don't know what's going to happen with my child i don't know what's going to happen with my sick loved one like this i don't know when we're going to continue to be in oppression like these people were right this i don't know when i'm going to continue to experience racism and sexism and all the injustices of the world that are pressed down that I feel upon. It's the sense of, though, praising God, even in the midst of that, of what God will do. It's being in an agreement that, God, your promise is true, and I'm going to worship you in adoration of what you will do in the future. This is uh, often uh, the best example of this, I would say, is the African-American church that would pray for deliverance before it was there. The Negro spirituals that would cry out, there's a balm in Gilead that would make the wounded whole. There's a balm in Gilead to cure a sin sick soul. And um, there's a sense of of knowing and praising God, worshiping him, even though things look dark. So yeah, I wanted to, what you heard going off is I wanted to just play this clip. We couldn't figure out, get the audio up last minute, but I'm just going to play it um, maybe up to this mic. And um, you can hear a good example of Tilda. This. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now yeah. because I've been to the mountaintop. Yeah. picture of Martin Luther King Jr.'s last speech. It's the sense of the goodness of God weighs so much heavier than the, the the like hardship of your circumstances. That God's goodness is so much weightier, so much real, so much more experience than the hardship of your experiences. So much that you can say with hope, I I may not get there, but I am going to the promised land. Um, so 7 um to heal it. Last one, uh, to praise a uh, to praise a song of praise, a new song, an unrehearsed song or spontaneous song from your heart. And what it means is one singing an unrehearsed song before the Lord, right? Like singing your story, you know, one one you sing in your heart this moment, you're making up your own lyrics, you haven't even noticed, right? Like there's this common phrase in church, let the Lord inhabit the praises of his people. So Tehillah to, to is this idea of you singing your own personal song before God. God, I was raised in Alabama and you rescued me from the pit. Oh yeah, you know, like just whatever it is, you know, like just just getting it out. Like just, just letting your own personal song come out, right? This, this specific song you're declaring. And um, when we speak out these things to praise him, uh, you, you could have everyone... On the on on just kind of the count of three, stand up and just sing your own song. And sometimes we encourage that, like just hey, as we're singing, sing your own song. Like Damon is great at this. So you got a devotional among our staff, and and songs began to be born out of a small in a small setting of just singing your own song. So these are seven different um, pictures of praise, or six, I think I've got up there, and. Um, <clears throat> So the common objection, I think, with just praise is just kind of like, that sounds great, but that's just not my personality, right? Like, that's just not my personality. I would say that um, this is not a personality type, right? Like, I want to be clear that, again, um, this isn't about hyped-up spirituality. And I know there are certain types of praise we're more naturally drawn to. This doesn't have to always be expressive. This, isn't always, this can be contemplative. This is about relationship and formation, Um, One that is deeper than just religion, but one of relationship. And I want to say that if, uh, what if God has led churches post-pandemic to a place of weakness and vulnerability and pastors and leaders to a place of exhaustion and feeling powerlessness in the sense of like where most churches are in the state of Chicago, um, a little bit more pressed down, a little bit more reduced. Um, what if there, God was, like, doing that so he's, like, I needed you to get out of the way so that I could finally show up in weakness? I could finally, like, move in power, right? I could finally come and, and, and have my way in this place to get egos out of the way. Um, Matthew 5 says this in the message version. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope, With less of you there is more of God and his rule. So good. Um. So I just want to kind of close with this. We're going to, we're going to stand and sing and worship. Um, but I just want to encourage you with a couple of things. One is, is just when, you, when, you, when you're here, come with anticipation and be present. Be present to what God's doing. And, and don't care what other people are looking, what other people think, what other people are thinking of you. Like, be one of those people that are in the world that just don't care what they think, what other people think, right? Like, I remember, you know, my dad passed away at age 61. And we was tease him because he would wear some of the goofiest stuff. And I mean, just weird. I'm not even gonna get into it. But my dad was radically free. <laughs> he didn't care. He didn't care what anybody else thought about him, right? He didn't care. Like you're, you're you're you when you're radically loved, you're radically free. You're radically free to listen to your critics, you're radically free to take risks. Like Just think about art for a moment. Like, bad art uh, is safe. When you're safe, it's bad art. And a life that's safe. I would rather live a life that just doesn't care what anyone else is thinking. And so we want to encourage you to worship however you feel led, whatever posture um, you feel led to. But we want it to be um, a safe, we want this place to be a safe place. And we want it to be a safe place for for even when you're on your worst day. Like, my dream with us, we want to have a room for if you're like, I'm triggered by something said, I just need to go be alone. I don't even need to be in the room right now. Like, we want that. We want there to be very much a safe place here. We want it to be a safe place for you to not be okay, but we want you to be a safe place for you to reconstruct your faith, to grow, to love God, to fall in love with him again, and to engage into the foundation. Amen. So let's praise and worship. Would the band come up and sing as so we get ready? Um, so, God, I pray that we would just be present, that we would be ready, that we would be positioned to receive God. Um, I, don't him, right? like I don't want to miss him, right? I don't want to miss God when he's wanting to talk to me or encounter me. We just, we just want to create space. Um, me and some leaders will be available for prayer, but for some of you in the room, you're, um, you're at rock bottom, right? Of a crisis. And I just want to pray for you that God would put you in this place of letting that place of, of imperfection, that place of weakness, be this, like, just a falling to your knees in worship. Just the sense of surrender. Sense of, of like, God, I, I need you so desperately now. I, you're all I have. We want to pray for you in the middle of that. That when you hit rock bottom, you would know that bottom is very firm because God has you and He will not let you go. I want to pray for those who are here and you're just like. Oh, I've been waiting for this message for a long time. I'm ready to get my praise going. I pray for, we pray for you to just fuel your excitement that you would um, continue to engage God, but may it be in a place that's different from what you're used to. May, it, may you even be surprised by your encounter with God. And we pray for those that are reluctant. We pray that we know that we can't force encounters with God on anyone, but we do pray that you would meet them according to their personality. Whether through intellect or motion or their their body, God, that you would speak, that they would be able to see you working in this place and in the world. May we praise you, God. May we sing a song. May we shout a voice. May we May we lift our hands and our hearts to you, as your people. May our faith encourage others in this place. Jesus' name. All God's people said.